heist if you to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on, on Sports, Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown on Sports 1440. Today's show, Connor McDavid is the best hockey player on the planet. How do I know? Well, I'm old as the hills and twice as dusty, and I've seen a lot. My eyes tell me he is. Plus, confirmation from the other best hockey players on the planet via The Athletic Today and their anonymous survey. We'll talk about that and more today. We're available at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Play Canada. You can also just turn on your radio when you're tooling down the road or if you're at the beach you got your trans, maybe not at the beach and maybe not a transistor, but you can get us any way you want it. Apple and Spotify podcasts after the fact. Text or call us 1 833 401 1440. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. The Discovery event is on right now and they're blowing out remaining 2023 GMCs. Discounts up to $8,000 plus 0% financing. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. Our guest today, Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal, and a brand new segment with our friend Declan called Duncan with Declan as we get real with the NBA. And with that, we tell you that Twitter is available to you at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger, and we say a hearty hello to our friend Declan Kruger, who's typing like a madman. How are you, sir? I'm doing excellent. Also, one addition to our guest list today, Zach Lang from Blue Jays Nation will be by at 1220. Oh, I like Zach Lang. A late addition to the show, so we will have to push the rumor segment. But uh, I would say I would say things are going well. Things are flowing. A little frantic, a little hectic, but all in all, can't complain. So we're going to do. We're going to talk to Zach at 1220, and then at 1240, it's the rumors? That uh, that certainly looks to be the plan. If you're okay with that, of course, this no, is no, your I show. No, I just have to shuffle a bunch of papers and I pretend know. that I'm angry and upset and that it's a lot of bother. I always... That's what old people do. I always deflect. You know, I always like to give you the final say, as is uh, customary and as is, I think, warranted. But if that's you okay with you... Do you give me the final say or do you make it seem like I'm getting the final say? Love where you're coming from. Get where your head's at. I do actually think I give you the final say. Isn't Would that, you disagree? Isn't that noble of you? <laughs> well, I think we show. have a, a good working relationship in which I do very little, and then when I do something, I make a big deal of it, and then you do the rest. I think that's a fair, and anybody who's worked with me knows that's absolutely true. There are 15 to 20 former producers going, yeah, well, that really does sound right. Okay. The Athletic does an anonymous player survey every year, and every year people go, well, okay, it's going to be it's going to be close this time. McDavid's still going to be best, but it's it's going to be way closer than it was. Well, 69% of NHL players, 69, nice. Declan, can you tell us why people say nice after 69? Oh, I don't want to. Someone's okay. going to clip it. I'll, I'll get embarrassed. We don't want that. Let's keep <laughs> it. Come on. Let's keep it professional. Okay, sounds good. Connor McDavid, 69%. Nice. Of the NHL players, believe he's best. Now, do you remember declinations a couple of weeks ago when our friend Declan on Friday ranked his top five NHL players? I thought it would be go easy to, or fun to go back and do the review of that and see how the NHL players saw it. So, Declan, do you remember your list in order, if you would? I absolutely do. Okay. It's not easy to forget after some of the pushback I got. But a little I had, bit, yeah. I had Austin Matthews, number five. I had Kale McCarr, number four. I had Nikita Kucherov, number three. 
Nathan McKinnon, number two, and of course, I had Connor McDavid, number one. TSN actually disagreed with me on their midseason top 25 rankings. There you go. Well, here are the Athletics Anonymous NHL Player Survey results. McDavid, number one. Nathan McKinnon, number two. And this is interesting. Nikita Kucherov is number three. We had a lot of pushback on that. Turns out Declan was right. Number four, Sidney Crosby. Now, that's a reputation thing, right? He's been around a long time. A lot of these guys came into the league when he was already a super-duper star. So there's a little bit of, a you know, reverence going on. And at number five, Kale McCart. Interestingly, number six is Kirill Kaprasov, and number seven is Austin Matthews. Our friend Leon didn't make the list. I'm thinking maybe the NHL players heard declinations and decided to go a different way. Not really sure. But as it turns out, McDavid's still the best. And Declan was a little closer to real than a lot of people thought he was. I have no issue saying Leon Dreisaitl is one of the premier talents in the league. I have no problem if you have him ahead of Austin Matthews. But the notion that it was so far-fetched and incomprehensible was what I think maybe I, you know, raised some eyebrows to. And I think this is, you know, like you said, potentially a little bit of validity. I don't know. The players, you know, they're playing these guys day in, day out. Now, the thing would be putting Crosby at four, like you said, that's a reputation. Thing. Sure. But, yeah. you know, maybe okay. maybe there is something to it. Well, and also they're the players. They, they have every right to do it. What I like is that I think that sometimes young people, because they are called on things, oh, you don't have the experience, you don't know, you stood by your guns. You had the courage of your conviction is always a good sign of character. And well done, young man. Okay, other things the anonymous NHL uh, players voted on. Top goalie, Andre Vasilevsky, 44%. Connor Halibak, only 15%. Thatcher Demko, Ilya Sorokin, Igor Shesterkin. Wonderful, you know, too bad no Russians are in there. Uh, and Jeremy Swam and uh, Ryan's out the top six. Um, uh, most underrated and overrated on this list is Nugent Hopkins both times which I thought was pretty wild. Uh, most underrated is Alexander Barkov, followed by Sam Reinhart, Braden Point, Miko Rantanen, and Kyle Connor. Zach Hyman is 7, and Nuge is, I believe, 10. Now, overrated, Trevor Zegras. Oh, doctor. Oh, no. How could he be the most overrated and also the single re- biggest mistake that Ken Holland made when he took Philip Broberg? I don't understand. How does that work? Number two, overrated, Darnell Nurse, followed by Matthew Kachuk, Jason Robinson, Robertson, and Jonathan Huberdeau. Oftentimes, really good players go on that list. This is interesting because it's the players themselves. Alex Ovechkin, by the way, is number six. Nuge, number seven. PLD, who I would have at number one, is number eight. Patrick Line also on the list. Eric Carlson, Timo Meyer, Mitch Marner, Seth Jones, Jacob Truba, and Evander Kane. Who's the player in the league you would most most want to punch? Declan, would you like to take a, a guess at it? I would like to take a guess at these. And um, I was actually going to chime in and say, you're going to give me a chance to, to oh, go I'm at it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, oh, but that's okay. Oh. I'm going to guess Nick Cousins. Yes. Yeah. Well done. 29%. Not surprised. Followed by Brad Marchand, Matthew Kachuk, Michael Bunting, Connor Garland. Uh, there is some Oiler content on this list. Evander Kane, 1%. Now, C- Corey Perry's just joined the team, so... Um, then they have best ref, Wes McCauley, Kelly Sutherland, Justin St. Pierre, and then worst ref, Justin St. Pierre, <laughs> Steve Kazari, Wes McCauley. A best jersey, 
Chicago, Detroit, New York, Toronto, Montreal, Boston. It's always the original six. Chicago often finishes first. If not Chicago, it's Detroit, sometimes Boston. Uh, my favorite is the Bruins jersey. If you look at the Opeachy 72 Bobby Orr hockey card, did you? F- was that you? That was me. Oh. Quick sneeze. Qu- sorry about oh that. Oh, my. I know. What part of your body has not been on this show making noise? <laughs> I, my feet are pretty good. I don't tap my feet or anything. Okay, I have that feather in my cap. It's just, it's just an. You're, you're like, you're like a a one man band over there. I mean, you know, sound effects library number one is Declan. Wow, I'm telling you. Okay. Anyway, that's a great, great, great article, and I recommend you have a look at it today. Speaking of great articles, I wrote one on the blog about comparables, comparable players in terms of math. Now, sometimes you can go stylistically, and I did that too. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to drill down on guys like Raphael Lavoie, James Hamblin, Dylan Holloway, and use Edmonton Oilers' own past, say the last 25 years of prospects, to find a comparable. And that's what I did. Raphael Lavoie, Yanni Rita, remember him? James Hamblin didn't have one. Mathematically similar to Chris Van Develde and George Larocque, but obviously not the same style. Dylan Holloway's best comp? Ryan McLeod, not even close. In terms of style and mathematics, he's the guy. Xavier Burgo, Kyle Brodziak, not quite the offense that you're thinking of, but a really good two-way guy. Carter Savoy's best comp, Colin McDonald, remember him? Part of the problem with Savoy is he's been injured so much. We don't really know what he is yet. Tyler Tulio, Colin McDonald. Jaden Grub, Brad Winchester, I like that comp very much. Matri Petrov, Jason Shamira, partly because Shamira had a very poor first season in the AHL. And Petrov is not having a poor season. He just can't get in the lineup. They've got too many young prospects, and that's having an impact on all of these cats and what they're doing. The Condors play today. We are going to talk to Bruce McCurdy, among other things. We're going to talk about the uh, January that Edmonton just put in. We're going to talk about the trade deadline, but also the prospect pipeline and things that the Oilers can do. We're going to talk about that uh, at 1240 in the Hockey Rumors update uh, uh, segment, because I've got an idea about that. I've, I've, I've had a thought, and we'll have that for you at 1240 today. Are you excited? Oh, by the way, Scott Wheeler's prospect rankings have started. He's got New York Islanders at 32, uh, at 31 Ottawa Senators. Wheeler, a brilliant writer for The Athletic. When they get to the Oilers, we're going to have them on like the next day or that day. I can't tell you when, and I'm not even really sure when. But I will tell you, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic will join us in the next three weeks. All right. Are you ready for Duncan with Declan? We we want to get you on as much because you're wildly popular and will soon take over the show. This is like, uh, this is like you know, the, the lead singer being the, it's like Phil Collins, mm. you know. They, Peter Gabriel goes in solo and then Phil Collins steps in and everybody goes, oh my God, he's having hit after hit after hit. That's you. I like that. Yeah, I am pretty excited. I mean, we we did one rendition of it last week. I think it went well. Um, someone called me a human basketball computer, which was very, very nice. A mm-hmm. Wonderful compliment. I appreciate that. I, I call you AI out of the uh, office. Oh, I like that. That's mm-hmm. good, too. No, I'm excited. Yeah, it should be good. To, uh, there's a lot going on in the league, a lot of games tonight, a lot of good storylines. Are you going to talk, talk about, about the Raptors last night? I'll be talking about the Raptors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. D- I'm hoping you'd list whiz right by the 76ers. But Duncan with Declan comes up at 140 today. Is that correct? Yes, that is the plan. It will uh, take us into the Jason Greger show. Okay. Now, um, stay where you are, sir. 
I just want to let people know Zach Lang from Blue Jays Nation going to join us. They made a big signing. Not what you hoped for or thought, but a really productive player. We'll talk to Zach about that at 1220. However, Seattle Seahawks have hired Mike McDonald, not the comedian and not the lead singer uh, with the gray beard and hair from the Doobie Brothers, but away from the Ravens. He's the youngest head coach in the league at 36. Can you give me a thumbnail sketch of Mike McDonald, Declan, and what Seahawks fans should expect from this fellow? Well, listen, obviously this goes without saying, but anytime you bring in a DC, you're going to have a defensive-minded team, which I think is what the Seattle Seahawks are going to need. I don't know what their quarterback situation is going to look like for the future, but they have some good young young talent in that secondary, Devon, Devon Witherspoon, Tariq Woolen, things like that. I think they're going to use the strength of that defense to try and keep them close in games and let Geno Smith manage what he can. I expect, it, I expect it to be a good fit. I think Seattle needs a bit of a cultural reset following the departure of Pete Carroll. I think... Listen, Mike McDonald comes from Harbaugh, who was a phenomenal head coach, sets a culture very well. I think the Seahawks have found one. They gave him a six-year contract, so they obviously have a lot of belief in them. He wowed them in the interviewing process, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think Seattle is going to be a good team revamped defensively going into next year. He's young, right? Very young. So does that worry you at all if you're a Seahawks no. fan? No, okay. no, no, not at all. I, listen, right. coaches are getting younger. We saw Gerard Mayo at 37. Shane Steichen, I think, is 38. There, You know, you go down the list, there are a lot of guys who are a lot younger. Sean McVay, who's a Super Bowl winner. I think he's 37 And he's a genius. Yeah, he's a yeah. listen. There used to be an adage a couple of years ago. You had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, and you were in line for a head coaching job. So mm-hmm. I like it. The game is moving forward. I hope he's not too dependent on analytics. I hope he doesn't do what got him away from his success in Baltimore. But he maximized that defense without really like Rokon Smith is good, but they didn't really have a stud stud on that defense. St- and they were no stud studs. Yeah, like Rokon Smith is good. He got his hundred million dollar contract. He's a great off ball linebacker, but they didn't have a T.J. Watt, a Nick Bosa, a Michael Parsons, anything like that. And they were consistently one of the best defenses in the league this past year. I like it. I think he's going to be a good hire. They were smoking. Okay. Uh, Can I give you a little story about a head coach who changed the culture of an entire team and it, to this day, they're better since his arrival. May I do that? Oh, of course. In 1976, I believe he was 40 years old. The Philadelphia Eagles, who were meh, they were porridge, they were matzo balls, they were just not interesting. They hired a man named Dick Vermeil. I think he was 40. And Vermeil got them to the Super Bowl, I think, four or five years later, 81. Again, now they got crushed versus the Raiders. But he had a he later on would coach a Super Bowl victory with the Rams. But he made the team exciting and he also did things that were unusual. He was an innovative coach. Uh, in fact, one of the great sports movies of all time. Do you know the, about this movie? Do you know about the Vince Papali story? Invincible. Invincible. Yeah. yeah. He was a walk-on with, I think, Vermeil's first team. And he made the team, and I think he spent two or three years with the Eagles. It was a great movie. Um, and that changed the culture. Now, the, the Seahawks, for me, like, they won a Super Bowl, but they've kind of been treading water since. It's like sometimes you'll be looking out on the uh, like the river when you're going across a bridge in Edmonton and you'll see somebody out on the water and it looks like the, the oars are up or they're just not moving. That's sort of the way the sea... Uh, do you perceive them as being brilliant right now or did they need a change of scenery? Did you like what they've done so far this offseason? Yeah, I think a change of scenery was right. necessary. Okay. Well, I do too. So I think it's good for the Seahawks. Gives me a chance to tell you my invincible 
a Dick Vermeil story. So I'm a happy man. Your text welcome at one 401 1440 Low Tide, would Tarasenko be a good option for the Oilers? Ottawa retains half. It's a 2.5 cap hit. Bronco Nick, I did write about him, and I do think it's a good idea. I think he's a guy who played really well with Leon Dreisaitl down the stretch and into the playoffs. What about Al Davis, Sparky Anderson, Bum Phillips? Great, great coaches all. Al Davis was funny. Who did the was it Lane Kiffin that he hired him? And he just, I've never seen any owner verbally hammer. Now, deserved it? We could talk about it. But my God, like, there's a guy who's so rich he doesn't care if he gets sued. That was Al Davis during that period. Low Tide, do you think Skinner should win the NHL Player of the Month? He was remarkable. I think he should be in the running for it. I'm a big Stuart Skinner fan. And I have to say, hats off. A tip of the Stetson to Ken Holland for not panicking at goal. If the owners somehow are able to trade Connor Brown this year or even in the summer, who's responsible for next season's bonus? There is no next season bonus. It's this season's bonus. It's being paid next year, and the Oilers are. Um, As of right now, they're responsible for it no matter what happens. I think they're all in. They're going to give Brown. Brown doesn't do anything through to the deadline and then the playoffs. He won't play. He'll sit. That does happen. Phil Kessel sat for Vegas. It does happen. Veteran guys, George LaRock, he didn't play a lot in the, he didn't play all the time in the 06 postseason. It happens. That's you typing in the background. Ha ha ha. No, we know. We know. It, we, we could have used it as a hurdle and a problem, but now we've used it as a feature and a benefit. Declan's typing has now been registered as a patent. If you want Declan to come to your house and type, you can get him to, but you can't hire fake Declans. You've got to get Declan to do it. Your dad's rambling away about something you don't want to hear. You can bring Declan in to type to interrupt him and make people not listen, but you got to pay the man. It's like the let's get ready to rumble guy. What's that guy's name? I don't remember. Let's get ready to rumble. Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer. If you can have Michael Buffer at the opening of your Sham Wow store, but you got to pay him. Same as Declan with the typing. Okay. On the way, Zach Lang from Blue Jays Nation. We're going to talk to him about some moves. The Jays finally doing something. That's good news. They didn't get rid of Vladdy Jr. I'm very pleased about that. And we'll have pro hockey rumors coming up at 1240 today. I've got an idea for the Edmonton Oilers. Bruce McCurdy will join us at 1 o'clock today. And don't forget the premiere edition of Duncan with Declan at 1.40 today as we go inside the NBA. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. The Discover Winter event is on now. Blowing out remaining 2023 GMCs. Discounts up to $8,000 plus 0% financing. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Okay. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I, I'm, we're going to talk Blue Jays, but we may talk about other things as well. Zach Lang joins us now. Uh, where are you calling from, sir? Lodepide, I'm calling from the home office located in beautiful, sunny downtown Edmonton today. Very nice. Now, it, who is all working and who isn't working with emphasis on who is not working and daydreaming? We need to know this. Well, we know that Tyler Yamchuk isn't working. He's always avoiding the grind. Uh, but a number of the guys are uh, heading out to Toronto right now. Actually. Nice. A little all-star game stuff. There's a conference going on out there for a couple of days that uh, we're really excited about 
having an opportunity to speak at. So yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting day. Should be a fun weekend for the bunch of Justin Turner. Now I know that that fans were. I thought they were going to get Soto in Toronto. And then there was, I mean, some real excitement about Otani. And, and I learned how people track airplanes, which is good. And they didn't get that. But Justin Turner, that's a hell of a bat. Let's be real here. I know it's not Otani and it's not Soto, but that's a that's a great get for the Jays. Fair? Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, you look at what Justin Turner did last year and you look at the majority of his counting statistics and they would have been top two or top three on the Blue Jays. For example, his 96 RBIs would have been first among all the Blue Jays last year, 23 home runs second. Uh, As you mentioned, this is a guy that can put the bat on the ball and put it wherever he wants in the infield, in the outfield, um, hit it over both walls. Like I think from an offensive perspective, this is a a great pickup here for the Jays, similar to the Brandon Belt thing. And I think, you know, you get a little bit more utility with Justin Turner too because he has some of that experience at third base. Now, if you're going into this season with, Justin Turner as your everyday third baseman. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of that. Um, but, hey, you know what? I think from an offense perspective, at the very least right now, uh, it's hard to argue with this one. So let's let's just review here because I, I, I like in my mind to, when I'm daydreaming, when somebody's talking to me and I don't want to hear them, I like to figure out how the lineup might go. Uh, you've got Turner who, who can play third base. You've got Vladdy who would be first base. I don't know. Like I like their outfield. I mean, you're, you're, you know, the the way they've got it set up. I think their outfield should be pretty good. Um, Turner's option are DH, third base, one B. That's it. Pretty much, yeah. I think that's uh, that's where the Jays will kind of be looking to uh, deploy him. And then, just to, to linger there a little bit, Vladdy's positions are first base and DH. Right? There's no. That's- that's correct. Yeah, okay. like he's played a little bit of third base in the past, and there was a point in the season last year where he was even taking some reps at third base. I, I don't think that they would look to move him back over to the hot corner there. Um, but hey, you know what? If they're going to platoon third base this season, it's not out of the picture to see Vladdy maybe taking some reps over there too. And it, you know, the the I love the Jays' bats. I really do. And I've I've talked about Bichette too, and I rambled on about Vladdy when he wasn't playing first base as well. Uh, from the point of view of a fan looking forward to opening day, is there going to be more attention for lumber or more attention for leather in terms of who the starting eight are? That's a great question. I mean, I think probably a little bit more attention on lumber. I think if you take a look at this team last year at the plate as a whole, they were a bit of a disappointment. I mean, you look at a guy like Matt Chapman, for example, came out the gate red hot the first month or two of the season. Then he really cooled off throughout the year. Vladdy, you know, we talked about him last time too. He had a bit of a down year. I think he's a guy who's going to be coming back rejuvenated. It, it felt like there was a little bit of negative regression from this team as a whole, especially from some of their younger guys, especially like Alejandro Kirk, for example, who missed, you know, a bit of the first part of the season um, and stuff like that. So I think the Jays are kind of looking at looking for this team to bounce back uh, and have some positive regression at the plate. And I don't entirely hate that option either. I mean, I think there's a lot of really talented players on this roster, and I especially look at a guy in Dalton Varsho, who in his first year in the AL East last year with the Blue Jays was a disappointment at the plate. Um, now, granted, he was tremendous in the outfield uh, for them, and that was a huge, huge addition out there. But I think that's a guy, too, that you know is going to rebound. He had a 103 OPS plus in his three seasons in Arizona. That was down to an 85 last year. He's still only 27 years old, so he's still young. Uh, I think he's a guy who could have a lot of positive regression for this team amongst some other guys. So how do we feel about, you mentioned third base. 
what kind of power numbers are they going to get from from third base? Well, that's a great question. I guess it really depends on what they're going to do there, right? If they platoon it, they have guys like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, you know, maybe David Schneider can play a little bit down there as well. Um, Kevin Biggio has played some third in the past too, but it's not a spot that necessarily gives you a whole bunch of confidence. Now, I spoke about Matt Chatton's poor season at the plate last year beyond the first month or two, but he was still electric at third base last year, as defensively sound as he's always been. You know, I don't think you can rule out of the question here that, um, you know, Matt Chapman could end up back with the Blue Jays this year. He still hasn't signed with the team. Neither has Cody Bellinger. We've seen from Scott Boris clients in the past them take it down to the wire of spring training. So I think there's still options on the table for this team. Um, I'm not necessarily feeling great about that third base spot right now, though. How do you I, – I, whenever I see the Jays, I, I get a little irritated that Bichette plays the position he does. And then I wonder – and I openly do because I think Kevin Biggio has some things, you know, switch hitter, a lot of things that he can do. Uh, is he better as a utility Casey Candell type, or do you like him in a specific spot? Yeah, I like I like Biggio as a utility player. I really do. He's a guy who can kind of step in anywhere where you need him to, uh, similarly to how Whit Merrifield was for the Jays last year. And I think that's the reason why they brought in Isaiah kiner falefa too. The Jays kind of are signaling towards this platoon approach all across the field, right? Um, you look at a couple of these signings this offseason here, you know, namely kiner falefa and Turner. You've got guys here who can play multiple positions and play them fairly well. I mean, Kind of Falefa is not the, the most appealing name. And for him to be the first signing after losing out on Shohei Otani is obviously a bit of a disappointment for, for the fan base here. But again, I just I feel like this team is too offensively gifted to be as poor at the plate as they were last season. And again, people got to remember that, you know, this pitching staff for the Jays last year was one of the best in the entire league and in, in, in all of baseball, rather. And they're largely coming back this year. You look at them bringing in a guy in Yariel Rodriguez, too. He's going to help fill in that kind of, you know, number five spot that Hunjin Ryu kind of played last year for them down the stretch. He can play out of the bullpen for you. He can come in and play some big situations. Uh, I kind of like this offseason from the Jays, honestly. What, uh, Zach Lang joining us from Blue Jays Nation, what can we expect? Um, how many games can we expect Kiermaier to play center field? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you look at last year, and he played a number of games out there, and he did so very well. I think him and Dalton Varsho and George Springer made a great trio in the outfield, uh, one of the best defensive uh, outfields in all of baseball. So I'm pretty comfortable with Kiermaier going out and being an everyday uh, center fielder again for this team, just as he was last year. Do you feel, uh, I, whenever I do anything about the Blue Jays, even just talk about them you know, for five seconds, there is a, a, a sort of... Here we go again. They promise the moon. They go to the winter meetings. They pick somebody up at the Rule 5 draft, and then they go home. And, and I, like, I know that's not the case. I know the Jays really did want to spend the money. But if if this thing, you know, ends in a disappointing way again, um, at some point in time you cry wolf a few times in the wintertime, and if nothing happens, I just wonder about the fan base. It's a loyal fan uh, base of the Toronto Blue Jays. Are, are, is there any kind of disgruntled rumblings right now already, or do you wait until you lose three in a row? Oh, I think there's undoubtedly some grumblings right now from the fan base. I mean, you look at this team last year, this was a squad that really needed to take a significant step forward in the AL East, and they kind of fell flat on their face, especially in the playoffs once again. Second straight year in the playoffs that they, they were knocked out in the wild, count, wild card round. 
in truly disappointing fashion. I mean, Toronto Blue Jays scored exactly one run in two games against the Minnesota Twins. It's just wholly unacceptable last season. So I do think that, you know, management, Mark Shapiro, these guys are on the hot seat right now. And this is a team that's going to need to take a step forward in a very big way this year. And they're banking on the guys that they have to do so. So it's going to be really interesting to see the way things play out here. And it's something that's important to remember, too, is that the Blue Jays are installing a whole bunch of premium seats. They're raising uh, ticket prices. They're doing all of this stuff inside the arena to try and uh, improve the fan experience. But in the same breath, you know, if you're going to go and raise – um, you know, season ticket prices and have another very mediocre year where you get bounced out in the wild card round, that really creates a lot of tension in the fan base, right? You know, fans aren't going to be happy to pay more to have a lesser product on the field. So it's going to be a really interesting year uh, watching this Toronto team. So uh, I know we're not far now. It's uh, a couple of weeks away from pick pitchers and catchers and, and hurt guys who who spent too much time eating uh, during the week the, the winter time, but is there any player that that maybe we haven't discussed, or maybe Jays fans aren't, uh, you know, top of mind that you are looking for, maybe to to make the team or to surprise during the year? Well, I think the one guy that I keep coming back to is Alec Manoa, and obviously this is somebody who has been heavily talked about in Toronto for the last calendar year, given the absolutely horrific season that happened last year and what transpired. But of course, this is social media that we're seeing this stuff on, so you take all of it with a grain of salt, but. You know, he's looking like somebody who's going to be coming in highly, highly motivated this season to come back and reclaim his spawn in this starting rotation and get back to the ace-level status that he was in 2022 when he was named an all-star and had a 2.24 ERA through the whole season. Uh, I think this is somebody that this Jays team is going to very much rely on uh, on the mound to deliver in a big way for them. And a player at the plate that I'm really interested to see what happens is Davis Schneider. I mean, you look at the way that he came out last year, and he was absolutely excellent since he was recalled. Um, you know, he had a 175 OPS plus and 141 plate appearances down the stretch run of the season. If he can come back in and, and replicate even just some of that at the plate for this team, uh, that's a big addition from within, too. And then I think you've got guys like Spencer Horowitz who are kind of on the outside looking in right now who could make a name for themselves. Uh, you know, step in at some point this season, maybe right away, and be a, a player who could be of impact as well for this team. So it's going to be really interesting to see the way things kind of shake out here. And my hope is is that, you know, the Jays aren't done. I'd still like them like to see them re-sign Matt Chapman. I was banging that drum early in the offseason, and I thought bringing him back would be a great move for this, this club and this franchise to have some continuity there. And again, that defense, that defense that Matt Chapman brings at Paul Corner is almost unmatched in all of baseball. So the Jays have a chance to bring him back. I think they would be wise to do so. Thanks for this. Appreciate it very much. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. There you go. Off into the wild blue yonder. Zach Lang is a really interesting follow. Um, I don't know what he does, but his title looks really, really large. News director for Oilers Nation, Jays Nation, Nation Network, DFS for DFO Fantasy. I don't know what DFS means. I mean, I know what DFL is because when I played fantasy uh, baseball, I was DFL every year. Um, And he also, on his Twitter bio, he says, never have a bad take, a very fine individual. And he quotes me. Apparently, I said that once about him. (laughs) I have zero memory. I probably said that about you, too. And nothing could be further from the truth. I'm just saying, you know. I mean, Twitter bio, it sounds like I'm officially endorsing. Well, he's he is good. Okay, fine. All right.
If I put what you said about me in my Twitter bio, I wouldn't have a job. Well, I think you're the best of the best. You're a bright young man. Oh, thank you. When All right, I'll put that in there. When I'm sitting at the Pine Island Lodge listening to my old transistor radio with my ears cupped or my hand cupped around my ears because I can't hear a blasted thing because I listened to Powderfinger by Crazy Horse too loud many, many times, I will be hearing you and going, I know that. Ted taught him everything he knows. I'll lie. It'll be fine. Don't worry. I got your back. Those old folks will know your name. Be nice if he came by once in a while. Just saying. I'll be there to visit. Well, okay. Come on. You know, once a month. I told you that already. <laughs> Will you bring turkey on turkey days? Of course. Oh, of course. I would love you for that. Okay. In hour number two, Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey of the Edmonton Journal. Brand new feature. And it features our friend Declan. Duncan with Declan. NBA. Once again, the theme song is one of the real, real highlights. But he's got good stuff for you coming at 140 today. On the way next... Pro Hockey Rumors, an idea about how the Edmonton Oilers can save the day. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. We say hello to uh, Doug and Mary. Uh, Vancouver Canucks GM Patrick Alvine has signed a contract extension. They're doing really well over there, and they're signing everybody. Uh, Rutherford signed. Alvine signed. Orland Curtin back. Is uh, head of security over there? I don't know what he is, but they, they've got lots of good things happening in Vancouver. They're they're legit. I wonder if the Canucks play the Oilers in the playoffs. Would that be the beginning of a new rivalry? They've got some good young players there. They have been they were trash a year ago. They are not now. Demko's back. Hughes, Patterson. They've got players, and then Miller is playing well. I would like to see a five-year run with those two teams at the top of the Pacific hammering each other, you know, sort of like Calgary and Edmonton did back in the 80s. At some point, the Vancouver-Edmonton rivalry became more interesting than the Calgary-Edmonton rivalry. And I'll give Matt Kuchuk credit. He made it more interesting. But in the last 20 years, Vancouver's been more of a chore than Calgary has. In my opinion, you may you may disagree. Okay. Uh, Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal coming up at 1. We're going to talk about the January Oilers, the trade deadline, and the pipeline. In this particular segment, we're going to go to around. This is the rumor segment. We're going to go around. We are going to talk the Oilers specifically in two shakes. Okay. Um, a few things to pass along. Phil Kessel says he wants to play. In the National Hockey League this year, he has to sign in the next month or so, or he would not be able to play in the playoffs. So that either happens or does not. He's had a long career. He's 36. He last played in the first round against Winnipeg a year ago in the playoffs. They didn't use him. So Corey Perry signed. Zach Parise signed. And now Kessel, I think, would be next man up. I I think somebody will sign him. And if he like if he wants to sign, he'll probably sign with a team trying to make the playoffs. I'm sure he would like to sign higher up the chain than that, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Carolina goaltender Frederick Anderson has been cleared by team doctors to resume limited on ice conditioning. Yes, I know it. I've been limited conditioning for several decades now. I know exactly what that is. 
Chris Tanev is a player of interest. There was an article by Bruce Garriock of Post Media yesterday talking about, I think it was like 10 or 11 teams that are interested in Tanev. Toronto was specifically mentioned. I know Edmonton has been mentioned at times. I I just think with that many teams, and I've said this before, and people get mad at me. Well, at least they 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 think I'm you know trying to to change the plan. I don't actually have any control over what the orders do. I just think the price point is going to be so high, and you have Cody CC, and I believe the Oilers believe that CC is a player they can run with, and we'll see. I. I know you want an upgrade there. I don't know if it's there. And if Tanev is the guy who's there, I don't know that the Oilers can pay enough to get it done if there's 10 teams interested. The Oilers, we'll talk about it in a minute. The Oilers pipeline is not strong enough. It just isn't. You know, 2024 first round is between 24 and 32. That pick probably gets you Monaghan. Tanev, if you traded Broberg... And something, does that get you there? I don't know. I don't know what Broberg's value is. I know he's playing really well in the AHL. That's not the NHL. What does Conroy want? And even if the orders overpay, those nine other teams are probably offering value. I don't think Tanev's coming here is what I'm telling you. I think CeCe's going to be here is what I'm telling you. Not to make you mad. Not to say I fully endorse this move. I'm telling you, I think that the 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 difference between Tanev and Cece in the Oilers' eyes is not enough for them to to wreck what is left of their prospect pool. JMO is the kids say, and we will see. Elias Lindholm is the is the guy there. I think I think he's the guy they should go after. I do not know whether he would be available to Edmonton, but I also don't think there's ten teams after. Um, at home. Blue Jackets are expected to be very active at the deadline. I know you've heard all of the stuff uh, Rick West had doing a brilliant job of the uh, five players facing uh, charges connected to 2018 sexual assault investigation. Uh, a lot of people are, are angry that uh, these players are going to be paid during this period of time, that's not necessarily true because I believe some are RFA. Uh, so they, once their contract runs out, they would not, you know, I don't think anybody would sign them. We'll see. Uh, this will play out. And there was word I heard, I saw Jason Greger tweeting about it, that 2016 may be the date for the for the trial. So this might be something that, that um, has long-reaching implications for each of these men. And we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. It is a news story as opposed to a sports or uh, interest story. So we don't talk about how many games they're going to miss or any of those sorts of things. But there is some legal minutia, and we will keep you abreast of the situation as best we can here on Sports 1440. Okay, I want to talk about the Oilers. And... What they can do, I wrote in the in the blog today about what they have on the farm. They have a bunch of young players, young forwards down on the farm. None of them are playing enough. Drake Kajula, Seth Griffith, and a bunch of the veterans are being played heavily by the coaching staff. And there's just not a lot of room down there 
for all of the players. They've got Dylan Holloway, who's going to get the major, major share of the minutes when he's down there, and he's in the minors right now. So that impacts Raphael Lavoie, Xavier Burgo, Carter Savoy, Tyler Tulio, uh, Matri Petrov, and a little bit Jaden Grubb, although his role is a little different. So when you've got that many players and, and they're not playing enough, what inevitably happens is they die on the vine. You, you, have to, you have to look after these players. You have to give them minutes. It would probably be wise to send Petrov to the ECHL. Uh, that, that might be something that they, they could look at doing. But this summer, the Oilers don't have any picks turning pro. Not really. Luca Munzenberger is the guy. So I was looking at what they might be able to do, and I, I blue-skied it. And, and one of the people on Twitter who follows me, and I'm, I apologize to that individual. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. Uh, mentioned that uh, on Bob's show, he's mentioning a player named Eric Florchuk. Uh, he plays for the University of Alberta Golden Bears. He's 23 years old, from Fort Saskatchewan. He's a center. He played for the Victoria Royals and the Saskatoon Blades. This is year three with the University of Alberta Golden Bears. And, you know, Bob hears things in the hallways, I'm sure, but he also has a really good track record of identifying players out of the U of A. U of a. Derek Ryan, we know about Noel Philp. And if, if a player like Florchuk, who is a center, and he was drafted in 2018 by the Washington Capitals, if he has enough skill to be able to play, you know, in the AHL and maybe follow in the footsteps of Philp and maybe even Derek Ryan, that's a way that the Edmonton Oilers can supplement their very, very low total of draft picks and possibly develop NHL caliber players. Because right now they're not. They've got a bunch of guys in the minor leagues who are high skill. Carter Savoy is coming out of it a little bit. They're just not playing enough. And, I mean, I don't know that the coaching staff has enough lines to put all these guys on. And it might be an idea to trade one at the deadline. It might help. But the other thing they might consider doing, and I've been looking at this guy and looking at this guy, and I... I I don't want to say they've got one because I just, I mean, I don't know what he skates like. I know that he's like 5'11", so he's not a, a, a massive guy. But late in the 2023 draft, they drafted a player named Matt Capone. He's a right-handed center, 20 years old now, who has 28 points in 24 games in Merrimack College in Hockey East. And he's a player that he's 20 now. He'll be 21 in June. He's got another year of college. But if you're the Oilers and you're looking at signing up the middle, a player like Eric Florchuk, maybe you go get Matt Capone too. Then you get two centers, one a lefty, one a righter, righty, joining the fold, and they're young and they're prospects. The Oilers have to cheat the system. They have to sign free agents who are college men or CHL grads or Europeans that are coming over. They have no choice, and they haven't done it in a long time. They, Ryan Fanti was signed, and he's been hurt. Noel Philp was signed. He was really good, but he retired. They have to get back in the game. I think they've been bullied out of it a little bit, or maybe they just aren't interested and they wanted to sign a bunch of AHL guys like uh, Noel Halfemeyer and Ben Gleason and those cats. But they got to get back in the game. And I do think that they, at some point in time, have to start playing these kids, even if it means cutting back on the playing time of veterans like Seth Griffith and Drake Kajula, who are helping the Bakersfield Condors win. 
it's a sticky wicket, and I don't have the answer because there's pressure to have these players play and and uh, flourish in a winning environment. And there's also pressure to develop young players. It's not an easy way. But Seth Griffith plays a lot. Drake Kajula plays a lot. Uh, Lane Peterson is an excellent right-handed center. And I thought he was signed to play with the young wingers. That has not been the case for most of the year. And if 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 you put Peterson at center with Lavoie and Burgo or with Tulio or Savoie, Savoy or Petrov, some combination, maybe just one young winger, and that has happened this year, but not a lot. It's it's just it's just become a pandemic over there. How are you doing? Oh, you heard that, did you? I heard it. Sorry, you were. It's you louder were on, than you're typing. You were on such a roll. I didn't want to distract you. I turned away. It was right into the shirt. I oh, I didn't want to get you off your game. I, I don't know. I, I like there are. We've got brick walls. We have. We have. Uh, glass, we have all kinds of things between you and me, and your sneezes and your typing just come right through. You are, like, absolutely astonishing at being able to be heard on the radio. <laughs> it's like a thing. You're, you're, well, you're like you're like Elvis Presley in 1956. You're on the radio all the time. That sounds like a great thing to Is me. It, well, it was for him. I mean, yeah, well, no. I'm saying you're comparing me to 50s Elvis. I must be doing something. I, I've never seen your hips move, but maybe you could try that, too. If we ever get on YouTube, it'll be the first thing I do. Are we? Now, people have asked me, and I say, man, they do not want, YouTube doesn't need my face on there. But it's a lot of work, right, to do this, to do the, the Gregor uh, video stuff. Yeah, oh. it's, it definitely takes an extra hand or two. But hopefully we get there. I think that is so the long-term plan. Was there any talk when, when he was putting on hair and looking, you know, disheveled and maybe, you know, not, not, you know, able to do television. Was there any thought of, of sliding carries for me in there? No. Thank you. No. Yeah, that's no. great. I, your pause was too long I for know. me to, I just, I'm like, he's just. You know, I thought about lying. I thought about pumping your tires a little mm, bit, but honesty is yeah. the best policy, all that good stuff. It really stuff, is yeah. not, but that's okay. okay. I appreciate oh, you, well. you going that way. I have one question for you. Do you Are you a baseball nut? I, no. I would okay, not then never mind. I was going to ask you about nuts. the Rule 5. There was a time when the Jays were all over the Rule 5. I know they almost lost uh, Romano there a few years ago, but they haven't been involved in a long time, and I miss that. I miss the Expos doing it totally. Love the Rule 5. Okay. Are you nervous about your, your brand-new feature? No, I don't. Well, I wasn't, but you you keep asking me about it. You keep pumping it up, <laughs> I think. I, listen, I did it last week. We talked some ball. It was nice. I think it, I think it'll go okay. I'm getting a little bit more nervous the more it gets brought up. I'm feeling all of a sudden there's some expectation on my shoulders, and I don't know if I'll be able to live up to oh, it. Oh, no. You, 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 the Declinations was such a hit that we went with Mama MMA, <laughs> and now we're going with a third one. Good. You know, good. there are – there are how many slots are there? There's three thoughts on the slots an hour. There's That's six a day times five. There's 30 slots. You're up to two. You're going to take another th- one today. That's three. Yeah. I feel by Christmas I'll be doing the weather. <laughs> If you do, oh, okay, you do weather, I'll do traffic, and then we'll keep everything else as it is. By the way, if you can you're, still have your show. Thank you. If you're a Tottenham <laughs> Hotspur fan, you know what's happening. Brentford is up 1 nil, 24 minutes in. I knew this was going to happen. I, I just hate cheering for teams. It's the worst thing ever. The worst. On the way, my friend Bruce McCurdy, he wrote a very nice piece on January Oilers. We'll talk about the trade deadline and the big club in Edmonton, and then we'll also talk about the pipeline and what they might be able to do. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440, and it's time for an update. 
This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, brought to you by Tommy Guns. The unique lounges and casual setting makes it easy for anyone to rock a new look and get the best hot towel shave experience in Canada. Book now at TommyGuns.com. There are three games in the NHL tonight. Ottawa in Detroit at 5, LA and Nashville at 5.30, and San Jose in Anaheim is the late one. Puck drop for that at 8.30. News around the NHL is Carolina Hurricanes goaltender Frederick Anderson is returning to limited on-ice conditioning work in his recovery from a blood clotting issue that has sidelined him since November. And the Vancouver Canucks signed general manager Patrick Alvin to a multi-year contract extension. There are 10 games today in the National Basketball Association, including Sacramento in Miami at 5.30, Dallas is in Minnesota, and Denver in OKC, both of those at 6, and then Phoenix, Phoenix in Milwaukee at 8. Around the NBA, Minnesota Timberwolves guard Anthony Edwards has been fined $40,000 for repeatedly publicly criticizing the officiating. And Marc Gasol, who spent 14 seasons in the NBA, including winning a championship with Toronto in 2019, has retired. NFL news is the Seahawks and Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald have agreed to a deal to make him their next head coach. And in other news, Chris Strebler is returning to the CFL. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers announced the signing of the 29-year-old quarterback to a one-year deal today after he was waived by the New York Jets. And finally, one game in the AJHL as the Lloyd Minster Bobcats are in Camrose to take on the Kodiaks. Puck drop for that one at 7. I'm Declan Kruger. Hour 2's up next, and this has been a Sports 1440 Update.